Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Great shirt you got on there, Matt. Thanks, dude. What are you wearing? Let's have a look. Oh, uh, David the, Attenborough. Yeah, the, the old Attenborough shirt. I, it's funny because I just got stopped in town recently from wearing this shirt because it's, it's a big hit. So for people who are watching. David Attenborough with a snake wrapped around him in kind of death metal font. And then, then the death metal font says, we are a plague on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very apt for today's guest on the themes of nature and yeah. death metal. Uh, and obviously Attenborough is just an all-time legend. We were talking about him in a recent Patreon. I'm sure we were, weren't we, in quite a lot yes, of detail. We yeah, he's one of my heroes. And when he dies, I'm going to mourn. He's the guy that really, like, helped me fall in love with uh, wildlife and wild animals and stuff like that. So I think of him often when I'm out in nature. Uh, the sense of wonderment he still has at his age is just amazing. So yeah, nature's a good, that's actually a really good tie-in, Matt. I like that. It's good. It's all about the segues, my friend. It is. King of the segues right here. Before we jump on into this brilliant conversation, uh, just a very quick Huge thank you to everybody uh, who is supporting the show via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Stoke the Fire uh, is the place to go if you would like to delve into what is now probably a, a catalog of podcasts almost of the same um, weight as the public show itself. I would say at this stage we're getting close to as many Patreon podcasts as we are podcasts in total. So if you love this show, if you want more of it, if you want more of the solo episode with me and Jesse, more listener podcasts, playlists, Zoom hangouts. There's the Discord chat happening over there. Uh, and obviously, most importantly, it just means you get to support this show and enable us to keep doing it. Um, so, yeah, please do check out the Patreon page if you haven't already. Thank you to everybody who is already supporting us via there. And look out for lots more incredible bonus content in yeah. the, the not-too-distant future. But, uh, yeah, I think without further ado, Jesse... Let's get the wheels rolling on this one. Very excited for this chat. Um, tell us a little bit about our guest, and then we'll bring him onto the show. Yeah, I was trying to remember how I even discovered his music, um, and I couldn't really put my finger on it, but it came across. It might have been through Instagram, because uh, I follow a lot of like metal, death metal, cult. I love all weird underground punk rock and, and black metal and, and death metal. I love extreme music. Uh, and his name popped up, Black Braid, and I saw the visual that he put up for one of his songs, and it was... Uh, two uh, natives in, in like war paint and it just looked grim but it was black metal I was like how wait what because you don't think usually I mean apparently this has been a thing for a while I'm sure John can fill us in a little bit but um, black metal and Native American and First Nation cultures mixing and to me it was like I listened to the music I checked out the visuals and I was like this is brilliant I never put the two together it makes total sense um so I started listening and I actually reached out to him and I was like, dude, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. 
Um, and turns out he lives like an hour and a half north of where I live in the Adirondack Mountains. Uh, we talked about nature. So it was a lot in common right off the bat. And uh, I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast to talk about his culture, where he comes from, his music. And um, since then, I would say in the past couple months, and he's kind of blown up a little bit. And uh, it's exciting to see. So let's get him on here. This is Black Braid. Uh, I'm going to call him John, but his, also his Mohawk name is Skaga Sawa. Hopefully I said that right. I <laughs> tried rehearsing it. So, John, please welcome to uh, Stoke the Fire podcast, my friend. What's up, guys? How you doing, Glad to be here. Very oh. cool. Thanks for coming on, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's exciting. Uh, release is in like three days, so. Wow, what, a, what yeah. an opportune time to be talking to you then. I love moments like this. I've been interviewing people for years, and I, I know, um, obviously, Jesse knows way more than I do from the other side of the, you know, the coin of, of being on the precipice of, of releasing something that you've been working so hard on in private for so long. And it's that, you know, that home stretch in between when it's all yours, and then from release point onwards, it belongs then to the world, doesn't it? And it's out of your hands as music should be. It should exist out there. For everybody but I, I know that the moments that lead up to to that moment are incredibly exciting and this is your first major like proper release right i've been checking out your spotify there's a couple of singles on there but this is your first full-length record yeah absolutely i just uh i put out the third single this past friday um but up until that it was only two singles out for like the first six months i started this i started doing blackbird stuff right about six months ago um, wow. So it hasn't even been that long. I think the first single came out in the middle of February, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then not to mention the video as well that you just put out is stunning. It's just breathtakingly beautiful, the the imagery. And it really kind of like, I think, kind of def defines what you're going for and really brings to life what you're doing. Uh, not to mention the fact that you look epic as fuck in that thing as well, too. Well done with that video. Um, and that's is, who who shot that video? Um, that was that's all in house. Like we do pretty much everything ourselves. Um, I'm not really interested in labels or anything else. And I'm super lucky to have my wife who uh, handles like most of the most of the back end stuff for me. And she's also an amazing photographer and videographer. And she does design, too. So. Um, yeah, but that video was shot completely between me and her. Um, she took all the shots of me and then there's a tiny bit of, uh, stock footage in it, but most of the nature footage was stuff that either me or her just shot, uh, with a gimbal around here somewhere. Amazing. Yeah. I want to get into more of that later, but let's, let's start at the beginning. Like we love to do on this show. Um, so you're in the Adirondacks now, where, where were you born and raised? Um, give us a little background on y your life and, and where you, where you come from, my friend. Yeah. So I pretty much grew up around here. Um, I've been, I, I was born and raised in the country, so it's, it's, it's very similar to where I live now, actually. Um, but I grew up maybe an hour South of here, hour and a half, um, in like, uh, the country, like little, little farm town outside of, uh, Albany there. Um, so I've, I didn't really go too far. I travel. I, it's funny actually, cause I traveled the world, um, for my twenties and stuff all over the country, but I, you always end up like, I guess I got sucked back in at some point. Like the Adirondacks have really always felt like home to me. Um, 
I grew up, like I said, maybe an hour and a half outside of them. But my family is huge, uh, nature oriented. We've been coming here for, to camp and hunt and fish and stuff since, you know, since I can remember, since I was, could walk pretty much. Like I grew up in these mountains. So they've always really felt like home to me. And then me and my wife bought this home here. I think it's been two or three years now. Um, but yeah, when we started looking, uh, when we were looking to buy, like I knew I wasn't going to look outside of the Adirondacks. Um, this place is, has been special to me as long as I can remember. So I love it. Yeah. I, I don't know much about the Adirondacks. I've only been up there a few times. I do live in the Catskills, but it's a vast difference. I think the Catskills are like the Adirondacks light. It's a very mellow sort of uh, mountain area where I think where you are, I know where you are is a lot more wild, more wildlife and, and much more vast as well. I'm actually going to be going up there in uh, I want two weeks from now or so uh, just to start exploring and doing some trails up there because I've been very curious about the Adirondacks for various reasons. But yeah, just stunning beauty. I think people don't really realize how vast and beautiful it is. And most people, when you, you mention New York, they don't think wilderness. They don't think mountains. They think New York City, of course. And it's funny when, when I tra you mentioned traveling the world. When I travel the world and I say and live in New York, people are like, oh, I'm New York City. I'm like, no, nah, man, I live in the, in the woods with like bears. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing up here, man. Like, I think the Adirondack Park is, uh, it's like 40, like 30,000 square. I don't know. It's huge. Um, Massive. Yeah. It's a huge park. I heard that you could fit Yellowstone in it four times over and still have room which is unfathomable for most people because most people look at yellowstone as this massive massive park and uh, yeah I, I personally went there during the middle of the pandemic uh my fiance and i took a road trip and it's it's actually not that big it's funny we drove through we're like that's it that's yellowstone that's it but yeah fascinating yeah. so, so nature has definitely been part of your life since day one as far back as you can remember yeah definitely it's uh yeah, it's always been a huge part of me. I mean, it's all I, yeah, I grew up with it. My parents are, are right in, in that same mindset. So I never really had, I never really saw it another way, I guess. Hmm. That makes sense. Have you got a big family, John? You got many brothers and sisters? Was it just you? Like, what was the kind of the sibling situation growing up? No, I'm an, I'm an only child. So uh, I think that probably played into it a bit too. Like, um, growing up in the country like that i mean the nearest house from us was like a quarter mile away like i couldn't like go play with other kids or anything you know so um and this was like before the internet and shit too i'm about to be 33 so i grew up in like the 90s 2000s and um the internet was kind of like people were using myspace and shit when i was in high school but even so like at that point I still lived in the country and like no one had internet. So <laughs> it was a different time, but yeah, when I was growing up, like I was alone, I was an only child and there really wasn't much to do. So I would like in the summer, you know, I'd be outside 14 hours a day. I'd just go out there and wake up and go outside and play. And then I come back in when it was dark, like, and that's how like most of the kids in my town were too. Like if my friends came over, we'd do the same shit. We just go outside for, the entire day because there was nothing else going on around there on around there so uh yeah just go just being outside and growing up in nature was almost like the natural state of things for me when i was young 
I've been reading a book at the moment called Quiet, and it's about trying to find, you know, stillness and peace and inner quiet as much as external quiet in the busy world we live in today. And and the author of the book was pointing out that, you know, kids now, they don't really grow up with that idea of playing outside and, and the idea of occupying your mind with just, you know, your own thoughts is almost like terrifying to, to young people now. And I think it's so important to shape, you know, an overall balanced view of the world to be comfortable on your own and to sit with nature. And it's something that we talk about a lot on this show. And, um, you know, I think when you look at high school culture, in particular in teenage culture, the kid that's on their own and maybe a bit introspective is deemed a weirdo, um, certainly by today's standards. And I think it's really important that, you know, you had that experience. I definitely did too. And, and I know Jesse did of being able to go out and just play and make your own fun and find the joys in life without devices and things like that. So it sounds kind of like a pretty blissful, dare I say, upbringing. Was it, was it happy or was there, you know, stuff going on, which made it less so? No, I'd absolutely, I'd agree. It's yeah. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything really. I mean, you don't really realize what that means to you as a child, you know, like I didn't realize that that was such a blessing and such a rare thing until I was almost 30, probably before I started like fully comprehending it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't have wanted any other way. And I do feel pretty bad for kids growing up now where technology is just like in their face, whether they want it or not. And stepping away isn't, isn't nearly as easy as it used to be. Yeah, I think it affects kids' mental health for sure. And then you talk about, you know, being alone when you were a kid. And I definitely had those moments too. You know, I was surrounded by people because I did live in different environments, but there were times in my life when, you know, I lived on a farm in Wisconsin for two years and solace was everything. And I would just make up stuff, walk in the cornfields, going out for long walks. And that stuff, I think, helps me now as an adult because. When I'm not feeling okay, I, I retreat to nature to to find my okay, to find my balance, to find my center, especially with, with touring and, and playing music uh, and creativity. I find if I'm feeling stifled creatively, I'll go out into nature. So nature definitely seems to play a role in, in your lyrics as well, in the themes as well. But I'm curious to your, your background. So what is, you do have a native background, but specifically, do you know what, what tribal and also were your parents were how was that whole dynamic with your family and growing up in that culture or around that culture or were you not embedded in it and discovered it later how did that work with you yeah so um i that's a that's a pretty interesting and uh complicated question but i'll give you guys the short that's why we're, here. That's why we're um, here you can give us the long complicated answer as well we live for that stuff <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not tribally enrolled. I was, uh, adopted at birth, um, and then brought up here and raised in the North. So I'm like a Southern Indian. I'm not, I'm not Mo. I don't have Mohawk blood. Um, and even though I've lived on Mohawk land my whole life, which comes into the, um, Skagasawa thing, I decided to take a Mohawk name to honor them. Cause I don't really have, uh, much of. A connection with a different tribal community mm. and i have lived in this area my entire life in the adirondacks is such a uh strong focal point 
um, for me. And, um, you know, it's their, it's their tribal land among others. Um, but yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a little off the topic, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so growing up, I was, um, I, I didn't have much contact with like, you know, I, I had no exposure to where I was actually born in the South. And then I could, uh, so, but up here, like my parents did make it a point for me to be involved in like other indigenous things and then, um, get me involved in the culture, like on a more national level, um, at a young age, like I was going to powwows and I learned about, I learned a lot about the Iroquois and the Haudenosaunee and the Mohawk and the Algonquin and whatever. Um, because that's where I grew up and that's like what was available. Um, and we would go to powwows and events around here and stuff. Um, so I guess it's pretty eclectic because, um, I did have exposure to that stuff growing up, but I'm, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, uh, I'm not like a blood member of any of those tribes. Um, and then at the same time, it wasn't coming, um, from my family directly either. Like it knew, normally would, you know, like I was getting it from third parties. Like my mom would connect me with, uh, like they, my parents are amazing. They made sure that those opportunities were always in my life pretty much from the time I could walk, you know, like I grew up, uh, knowing a lot about my heritage and, um, it was never like, it was never, a uh, a topic they avoided or anything, um, so I they I love I absolutely love that you were adopted and they put that as a priority. I think yeah. that speaks volumes about their character. I commend them for that. That's beautiful, my friend. I love that. And the fact that you are paying respects to the lands that you're on that you you've kind of like were raised by. So that spirit of those tribes is is within you. You might not have the blood, but you know, it resides within you because you do you grew up there. That's that's very insightful. I like that a lot. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, there's so, I think a lot of people don't realize how many of us, how many natives there are in this country that have been displaced or, you know, um, lost contact with their tribe or their immediate families or anything. Um, there's a lot of rough history in this world, uh, that kind of gets swept under the rug. So, um, I kind of want to like maybe draw a little attention to that with black braid too. Uh, just to, you know, there are, there are a ton of us out there that are totally native that don't have tribal affiliations or have never lived in a native community or had native parents or, you know, a native mentor or anything. So, um, a lot of the times when people think of native Americans, they just think of like sitting bull or, you know, some dude with a headdress and a peace pipe. And it's like, there's a lot of us flying under the radar that. It's uh, it's it's a lot more complicated than than the media makes it out to be. I think so. I think it's a topic that's very taboo for a lot of Americans uh, and Canadians. I would say too. And um, yeah, I've traveled a lot. I've gone to a bunch of powwows. Um, um, the bands have played at reservations. I've spoken to a lot of natives. We have a lot of native. Killswitch has a lot of Native American fans. I've had great conversations. Sad, in depth, but also great conversations with a lot of people. And you're right. A lot of people are not aware because it's not in the media and the history books don't tell it. They tell it a certain way. You know, it's the old saying about history. History is written by the people who conquered and ruled and slaughtered and killed. You're not going to read about the tragedies. And then the tragedies you do read about, they're manipulated. You know, they're, they're edited. 
So, you know, I think it is worth, um, there's definitely value in, in talking about what you're raising awareness to. And I do urge you to do that because I know there's a lot of people that don't have a voice that that can't speak about how bad it is in this country for um, tribal people, native people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's definitely a huge part of it for me. Um, and I don't really uh, get too political and stuff in, in black braid. Like it's not really a goal of mine. Like um, almost everything is based in, you know, nature worship and things of that nature for black braid is the heavy overlying theme. And I don't really want to stray too far from that. So with black braid, I, it's almost more like I'm addressing it indirectly. Like just for me to like, it's kind of motivation to do better. Um, when I see all these native kids and stuff, uh, you know, clinging to black raid so early on and I've got such a good, I've got such a strong native fan base already. And like, they just want, I think they just want someone that looks like them in the metal scene that they can look up to. And it's more in my mind, just about that, just about being there. And it's like, I could be playing Metallica covers, you know, it doesn't have to be native at all. It's just the fact that I'm doing something. Mm. Um, kind of feels great to me it's as the old saying goes that everything is political right and just by the nature of you being you you're inspiring people that identify with you and in turn it's empowering you to want to do more and you know then you get this connection and you get people from different parts of the country and you know different walks of life coming together under this same common experience um which as you say doesn't need to be overtly outspoken in the messages but just by being there and you know celebrating that way of life, then, you know, it brings people together and it is amazing. Um, I want to ask you about the, not to kind of keep going back to it, but the whole nature theme throughout, have you had throughout your life moments or instances where you've been out in nature and you've had huge revelations, if we can get, you know, a little bit spiritual and lofty as we like to do on this show, because, um, it's a recurring theme. We love to talk about it. And I think a lot of my spirituality that I've discovered in recent times, really through doing this show and the conversations that we've shared has come from nature and solely nature and an idea of a higher power through just the, the wild, great, vast outdoors. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Um, it's funny cause it's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's really it. Like nature, <laughs> nature's it. And a lot of people don't realize like how easy it is to have so like a spiritual or mind bending life altering experience or something like all you really need to do is just take the time. Um, like that could, if anyone just goes into nature for long enough, it'll happen. You know, um, it's such like a divine chaos that's literally surrounding us and we live in it but humans somehow are like conditioned to kind of separate ourselves from it in modern day. Like, like most people will like live in their house and they'll be like, Oh yeah, the nature is outside or like the wilderness is over there. Like no one sees themselves as a part of nature anymore. They see it as like a thing that they can go to when they want to experience it. They don't, you know, no one is, 
really sees themselves as experiencing nature at all times, even though we are like you wake up and it's raining, like you don't have control over that, you know, um, or even just by breathing, right? The one thing we need to do to be alive and that's taking in air from the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Breathing, you know, walking. I mean, you, you can't do, you can't do anything without nature. I mean, you're walking any, any, the, every step you take, you're walking on the ground. Even if you're in your house, you know, what are you walking on? Wood, concrete, it all came from outside, you know? So it's, um, in like everything we own, I mean, I could, I, I could talk about it for years, you know, but there's so much to say, but yeah, it's just like, um, it's, it's crazy how it's obviously a really sacred kind of divine thing. Like magic happens in nature all the time and we kind of train ourselves not to see it. Um, or society trains us from a young age to kind of like let go of it and not see it because it's not considered to have any value in like our modern culture uh, to be able to look at the world in a different way. But, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I, again, I like how I grew up, it just never, I just never saw it any differently. You know, like I, I go out there and I almost, Oh, half the time I'm in nature. I see something that, it makes me question things or makes me think a different way, you know? And I feel like a lot of times society wants you to pass off those little miracle moments or those connection moments as coincidence. And what I have learned from spending time with native culture and spending time with natives and going to powers and talking to those people who embody that culture on a regular basis, they tell you to look out for certain animals. Certain animals mean certain things in the spiritual world and totem. And since I've moved up here, I've had these crazy experiences where, you know, if I tell people, which I don't speak a lot about it, but if I tell certain people, they're like, ah, you, you just saw that fox staring at you on coincidence when you first moved in. Like day one, when I moved in here, I look, walked out my front door in the first day and I was in a really dark place and there's a fox sitting across the road, staring right at me eye to eye. For, and it didn't run, it didn't move. And I was telling my friends about it, like, oh, that's crazy. And then I told one of my friends who's native, and he's like, that's a sign. You need to look that up on the totem. It's telling you to, to be cautious. And he just ran down this whole thing. And I was like, whoa, that's exactly what I'm going through. So since that moment, I've had many experiences like that. And I'll consult. And there is truth, like crazy weird truths that happen to me out in nature and some shit that I won't discuss uh, on, on this program or to anybody, but it's changed my life for like, you know, when I first reached out to you, I was kind of hinting at it. I was like, dude, amazing nature, crazy. But I've had like crazy stuff happen. And I don't think I would have the wherewithal or the language for it had I not consulted with, with Native Americans to teach me like this is what this means. And I see a lot of the animals in your video and your imagery that I've interacted with in, in some way, shape or form. And there's real power in that and you showing them on your video and, and sort of paying tribute to them. I just, that's another reason why I'm really attracted to what you're doing. Cause it just, I can relate to it on, on some other level. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, um, I can't, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, there, well, I guess to expand on that, 
um, with the animals, I mean, what we were just talking about before too, about how humans kind of, uh, we were trained by, you know, our families and society and whatever to kind of like let that go at a young age and to not look at the world in the same ways. And, you know, they kind of like pound it out of us and make you conform to like whatever modern society is. Um, but with animals, you know, that never happens. Um, and I'm, I firmly believe this. I tell people this all the time. Uh, we consider ourselves to be like superior as humans because of all of our technological advancements and stuff. But um, when it comes down to it, like I, I think most animals are smarter than us. Like almost all of them um, are a lot smarter than humans. And we kind of look at them as being lesser often because they don't uh they don't strive to do the same things we do you know you yeah, that, see, their like, skills don't serve like a capitalist model of <laughs> there it is commerce yeah. and trade and uh you yeah. know design and things like that but actually their wisdom is ancient and it's you know key to survival in their case and that's all there really is is just the the essence of being alive and staying alive yeah and that's like such a it plays into what he was just talking about with the fox. Like when you live like that, um, you don't know any other way, you know, like animals have lived their whole lives like that. And they know nature is sacred in ways that humans will never understand. Cause they don't on, they don't forget it. You know, it's the opposite. Like they're raised in it and they understand it more than we ever could. Um, and that's what comes out to with the messages and stuff too. Like, um, almost all animals like with the way they're in tune uh you know some more than others but with the way they're in tune with their environment and the spirits and everything else like if you are ha struggling or something like that um or any you don't even have to be struggling you know if you're going through anything intense and emotional like animals know that they probably know more about what's going on with you than you do mm. um because again, when you teach yourself not to kind of look at the natural world and the occurrings of it, like you lose a lot of yourself too. And it's easy to, I mean, that's where depression comes from, you know, um, animals don't really get depressed without a reason. Like animals can get depressed if a loved one dies or if there's a major injury or, or like a life changing event, but they don't get depressed just walking around day to day eating food like humans do. Um, cause they don't have time and they don't give themselves the means to get depressed. You know, like we, most of the human depression, like where 90% of us are depressed just comes from things we've done to ourselves, like technology and, you know, other things. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's a different way of living for them. Um, so like when humans are suffering like that, we kind of, again, cause we're so immune to it cause we're all in it. Like we look at someone and you can't really tell what they're going through. Uh, cause everyone's going through something and we're all human and we just don't, we see past it, you know? Um, but animals, I think have a little more insight into that. And, um, it's a little harder for them to ignore almost, uh, yeah, it's the spirit world that I think it, it does exist. And I think regardless of um, people's religious views or spiritual views, you can't deny that there is a spiritual energy there. 
you know, I, I say even just go out of nature and be alone for a, a certain amount of time, going back to what you said earlier, and sit with yourself. Don't distract yourself with a phone. Sit alone in nature and answers come to you. And I don't think that's just a random thing. I think there's a deliberate spiritual nature that flows all throughout the forests and mountains and streams. It's there. It's speaking to us at a regular basis. All we've got to do is listen. And in order to listen, you have to sort of just be still. And I found in my life, those have been some of the most profound moments where I'm not having someone telling me how to fix things, or I'm not referencing a human ideology to save me from something. I go out and it's I'm discovered it when I become an empty vessel and allow that voice to speak through me. It's become a huge part of who I am. Um, much to the chagrin of, of my religious family, but um, <laughs> I've found more peace with the new way of life that I've been living um, than anything I've ever found in a church or anything like that. So I think church is a nice transition into black metal. Let's oh, go. killing the segues today. I like <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when did you discover black metal? Um, when did you sort of see it as something you could relate to because I do see a similarity between the Northern European reclaiming of their heritage over the oppressed. Um, so how, where does that come into play in your life and how do you relate to it with the mindset of bridging that gap between native American culture and black metal culture, which, uh, and second question, native American black metal has been around for a while. Talk about that as well, if you can. So there you go. There's another heavy, compounded question for you <laughs> yeah um i mean i've been listening to black metal for a good chunk of my adult life you know i mean i probably first discovered it i don't know maybe 20 years ago like i was pretty young um trying to think i saw uh i saw opeth in probably like 2003 or something and that was my first exposure to like uh like more extreme your europe metal i wouldn't really call beth black at the time they're almost i don't know what you would have called them i guess they still call themselves Prague, but um melodic metal and just opeth around that era yeah that's my yeah. favorite yeah, opeth so right good i saw them on that was the tour they did when they put out deliverance and damnation and it was like a double set for each I saw album. That too. So good. <laughs> yeah. And I actually went to that because uh Devil Driver was like the support on it. And mm. at that point in my life, I think I was like 12 or 14 or something. I don't know. But I hadn't heard much like American metal was my big thing. I love Kill Switch. Like Kill Switch was one of the first bands I one of the first metal bands I listened to. Mm. Um I have to ask this because Jesse talks about this in his upbringing. Were your parents um, you know, did they approve? of these extreme bands coming into your life did they disapprove were they open and welcoming was it kind of just carry on do your thing what was their yeah. vibe yeah definitely i mean they were always cool with it. they definitely thought it was stupid you know like my parents don't really like metal still um but they've never been like you can't listen to that you know like they let me do my own thing um and as long as i didn't get like too extreme i never got in trouble i think the only time i ever got in trouble for music related things was i like wore i remember in high school once i wore like a pantera shirt to high school 
it had like a huge pot leaf on it and like and they send me home and then i got in a ton of trouble for my mom that day she's like where'd you get the shirt or whatever and uh that was like literally the only time i ever got scolded for music was because of pantera which is hysterical because now it's uh illegal here in the state of new york stupidity of people <laughs> i know um the opeth opened the metal gates for you pretty much going to see that show was was a life-changing experience or just the gates were opened yeah i would almost life-changing i mean that really like before that it was really u.s metal for me like i listened to kill switch and metallica and lamb of god and um you know it just like i didn't realize there was a whole other scene over there that was that different from ours and like after seeing opeth i'm like holy shit these guys are crazy and uh then I started delving a little further into it. And like shortly after that, I actually discovered black metal. Like I think the first black metal bands I ever heard were probably Dark Throne and, and Gorgoroth. And Gorgoroth was the one that really did it for me. Honestly, that's like when I got hooked, like uh, I'll never forget that either. That first, I, I'm not a re really a big fan of Gorgoroth either. Like nothing against that. But I just like, uh not huge into a lot of the stuff they've done but the i think it's the first album they wrote um it might have been self-titled or called pentagram or something um but they had this vocalist pest who was only there for like one or two albums the first one or two and like the years that Pest was in there his his vocals are so fucking crazy and demonic and like it's a little raw and almost more funky rock and rolly back then um but i had like some some sampler that had a song on there with past called crushing the scepter and i remember listening to that song and uh i i've pretty much been obsessed with black metal since then like i've never heard any anything like that to this day it's still like i was really in it after that I think that was probably the moment but again i didn't really start looking for that stuff until opeth came around so i'd say it's like equal parts them like they were definitely the stepping stone to get me to black metal even if they aren't completely black metal you know yeah i've always liked the sound of black metal i think for me though that the sort of the dark part of it always seemed a little um i couldn't really relate to it you know because i always came from a place of light my father being a minister and being raised that way but also being a hardcore kid, you know, part of the positive hardcore scene. So everything in my upbringing was always positive, light, positive. So I was curious. I loved death metal because death metal kind of touched on different themes, you know, war and, and death, obviously, and um, injustices and stuff. But black metal was this weird inherent darkness. Part of it I did like was like sort of the desolation of the nature and the part that I just never really could latch onto is the the Satanism and like the the trying to be evil. That being said, I've always loved that band Dissection. I think Dissection to me was like sonically just what I loved about black metal. <clears throat> but I've kind of always like, eh, I don't really talk about it much. It's not really my thing. And then I just start, when black metal started coming over to the States and you had what people called sort of like false black metal, which was like guys that didn't look black metal that were sort of more indie rock looking and uh, were playing black metal style. I thought it was interesting because it brought the sonic sound of black metal without the culture. And I think 
as much as I did like that, it still didn't feel like it fit. And then discovering you <clears throat> and seeing the native culture blend with black metal. Excuse me. <laughs> That's like, a weird noise. Lucas, <laughs> man. Um, then it was like, oh, this to me is like is brilliant. That marries the sound as well as the ideology of you know nature and those themes. So when did that start happening for you? I I'm ignorant to this. You're my first discovery of native black metal and apparently it's been around for a while um so talk about that when did you start seeing that start to happen um yeah honestly with that only really recently like it's been around for a few years but uh i would say it's really imploded on itself this year like indigenous black metal and um become way bigger uh but yeah growing up um for the you know i'd say until my mid to late 20s native metal wasn't really on my mind on my radar at all if it was there like i wasn't hearing about it too much mm -hmm. um but you know i still love all the other black metal it's funny you brought up dissection because i think they're they're probably the best black metal band ever like i i just love i love everything about dissection like their sound is amazing and uh I really love the groove oriented stuff like rain chaos is probably my favorite album they put out um and black braid is definitely kind of going in that direction a bit more like there's a lot more groove on the second album to be sure um but we won't get into that but yeah um as far as like the content of it goes um kind of the same for me like i obviously always love the nature and um kind of the sadness and um the extremes and the parallels between um that and the wilderness and stuff has always drawn me to it um when i was younger um in you know like in my teens and early 20s and stuff i did like the satanic stuff a lot i definitely never identified as a satanist or anything like i always saw it as a little gimmicky you know Mm -hmm. um and I, I mean i still do but like at, at the same time i still love it like it's, it's it's pretty cheesy a lot of the time but i'll still listen to satanic black metal if, it, if it's good you know um but yeah with that stuff like um i've been pretty anti-christian my entire life um you know just because of my upbringing and the history we have with them and everything um the christians have done some really awful things to native americans so um even like not identifying as a satanist or anything like that um when i first discovered that music and i was young i already loved you know i was like borderline goth kid and loved all this dark and depressing shit so like yeah i was eating it up back then um you know they're talking about raping christ and all this other shit like i loved it <laughs> like it's you know even if i didn't really believe in the satanism aspect of it um just kind of spitting in the face of Christianity and no matter how you want to do it, it was so awesome in my mind. And that just drew me in more to it. And I think like throughout my twenties, as I like grew up and learned more about myself and my own brain and shit, I uh, kind of became less and less interested in it. Like um, just because it did seem it never really felt genuine to me, but it felt less 
less and less the older I got you know I was less connected with it and um because I mean when you're growing up at least for me you know when I was a kid metal hardcore kid or whatever I thought Satan was cool and uh you know evil's cool and <laughs> all the dark shit's cool um and then they're cool concepts but as I like as as I grew older I came to realize that like even though like satanism is so anti-christian it's like still kind of um it's still kind of conforming to even feed in to satanism because in the end satan is satan's a fictional character invented by the christians and he's only there to embody things they don't like like satan was created by christians for christians and it's a christian concept in the end and you know to believe in Satan is to believe in Christianity. Like it's a part of Christianity. Satan, Satan is, um, no matter how you want to swing it, like he's a fictional God made up by Christians. And you can't really believe in something like that without inversely kind of believing in Christianity, whether you That's believe a hot take in right God now. or whatnot, you know, like, um, Satan only exists because of the Christians, you know, maybe it's a concept they made up to embody things they don't like, but it's, it's still a Christian concept and a Christian creation. And it's like, I don't think there's a, a Satan or, you know, the devil or anything like underground and burning caverns, like that, you know, uh, he embodies all the evil in us. Like, um, it's a sweet concept and it's cool. It makes for some really sweet metal, but like it's never been something I felt to be true in my heart. You well, know, it's, it's sort of a paradox that you're right. I think you bring up a very valid point. The people who are so hell bent on quote unquote, worshiping Satan, you know, you kind of have to acknowledge the opposite, right? I mean, very much as people who acknowledge uh, God and Christianity have to acknowledge the devil. It's, it's kind of a paradox and I grew up with all that stuff and I, I, I agree to a, a degree. I'm not sure how I feel about an all encompassing dark being. I know there's definitely evil in the world. I know people do evil stuff, but I don't know if I want to, I'm comfortable putting a name on that, but I think you bring up a very valid point. And also while you were speaking to it kind of just hit me like, yeah, it makes sense. You look at black metal and then in the Northern European people are talking about, reclaiming their culture and how churches were built on you know pagan burial grounds and christianity really strong-armed itself you look at the crusades a lot of killing and forcing people to believe you know and again that's part of history that's sort of glossed over too but there's been a lot of horrible genocide massacre i mean you know native people in the name of christianity and of course that's gonna spark a reaction and when you're young and you can find something you can identify with, for me, it was like punk rock and hardcore, you know, fuck the system. You know, we're living in a corrupt system that's rigged and keeping poor people down. Like I totally was like, that's me. And when I was young, you talked to me when I was in my teens, I would, I would probably annoy you with my conspiracy theories and my anger. As I've gotten older and wiser, I still believe a lot of the same things, but you sort of like frame it better and you are able to live in more harmony with yourself, which I think is what you're alluding to, just part of growing up and sort of learning how to figure out who you are and then creating your art 
around that. And I think you do a great job with that. I want to, I want to um, commend you on what you're doing with your art because you do say a lot of things without saying a lot of things, whether that's your presence or the imagery you're putting out there. And I think it's fascinating. So of course, when you're young, you're going to hear this music that's raging against people who slaughtered your people. Like that's a no brainer. And I think it's also a no, why it's a no brainer that native culture has taken on black metal. So it's really interesting to hear that. That's fascinating stuff. You mentioned true black metal as well. And I think it's interesting that, you know, the culture that gave birth to that scene and yours are very similar in the ways we just pointed out. And it's almost become a truer version of itself in the form that you're presenting. Um, and I love that. It's like in the same way that punk was invented by a bunch of white kids, but then you get a band like the Bad Brains who give it a whole new level of depth and intent. Um, I would love to know, is there any exchange, you know, between your little culture and part of the black metal spectrum and the quote unquote true end? And would they acknowledge you guys as, as true black metal? Do you know if that exchange has taken place yet or is taking place? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure they got mixed feelings. I mean, um, it doesn't really matter in the end. Um, people are going to think whatever they want, but the, the response has definitely been overwhelmingly positive. Cause I think in the end, like kind of why I made black braid and why there is no satanic themes in black braid. I think it just comes down to really like wanting to make something that was genuine and from my heart. And I didn't want it to feel you know, like I didn't really want it to feel like it was produced or made to be a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, people that are accepting of it, it's because of that. Like in the end, it's really, it comes down to emotion and experience and whatever that might mean. I think people are just looking for when it comes to black metal in the end, most people just want it to feel uh heavy and emotional you know and they want there to be some sort of depth there no matter what it is um or you know what your views on life are like there's a lot of atheist black metal out there there's a lot of pagan black metal um so y you could really do anything um i think they, it's been pretty well received and i think it's probably mostly just due to the fact that it's not i don't really make stuff up you know i, I write about things that matter to me in the end yeah it's genuine and it comes off that way for sure it doesn't feel like you're you're um you're trying to do something you're just embodying what you already are which i think is really important as an artist because i think people can tell you know people can tell when you're putting on a front and you're putting on a show to, to get popular or whatever the case may be and what i do like about you too is your humility like i feel like when I first started talking to you, you were pretty unsure about, you were just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing this. And like now, now that you've like, you know, started to form a band, you're going to be playing shows or have you played a show yet? No, just, not yet. First one is uh, two or three weeks away. The 10th of September, we play in LA and that'll killer. be the first show. Killer. Um, in Long Beach, actually, which I guess is not LA, but it pretty much is. Um <laughs> But uh, there's that, and then um, there's the October show in New York City at St. Vitus, and that's all we got on the map right now. Um, we're definitely going to be doing a lot next year, but I'm kind of like, this is the calm before the storm right now, and 
Um, good though, man. Of, Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm excited, I just want to get I'm these excited for you. I'm excited for you, dude. <laughs> get these two out of the way before we really start talking about other shit and branching out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's gearing up real fast. Things have things have definitely taken off in the last few months, and we'll be a full fledged touring act pretty soon. I mean, we're not. I didn't think that was in the cards for us, but I, you know, the the demands there now and. I quit my job like two months ago or whatever because nice. uh, I'm making so much money. Not that much, but wasn't making much before anyway. So it's not, it wasn't really hard to replace my income. Um, but yeah, I, I make enough to get by with Blackbraid now and it's demanding enough attention that it is, it is my career now, which has been pretty surreal. Like I've been a full-time, you know, 40 hour work week guy my whole life. So this these last two months like i probably stopped working in april or something and it's like i didn't, i've never really not been working like i'm working on black braid but it's surreal because it's different you know it's my own art instead of instead of a thing i go to and clock in or whatever so well congratulations dude that's exciting it's cool to hear yeah i definitely uh when i discovered you i definitely did a little blast of like oh you guys need to check this out so your vitus show will be some of my people there checking you out and, um, you know, I just think when you, as an artist, when you see something that you genuinely re relate to and like, I feel like it's my duty as a music lover to, to spread that. So, and that's, you know, having you on here and to continue to, to push what you're doing because I'm a fan. First and foremost, dude, the only reason we're even talking is because I'm a fan of what you do, which is pretty funny, you know, if you think about it. The fact that I reached out to you and you were just kind of like, I don't know, this is kind of a thing I'm doing. And now, like, you're doing it, dude. That's pretty yeah. Congratulations, my friend. Man, it is surreal. Because, yeah, that's how I went into it. I mean, I didn't... There's so much black metal. I mean, there's probably 10, 10 independent guys who put out a black metal album today that I don't know about, you know? Like, there's just... It's such an oversaturated scene, and there's so much going on. And it's so easy for great metal to fly under the radar completely unnoticed, so yeah when i started this i was really just doing it for myself i liked the songs a lot and i wanted to put them out because i felt like i would be kicking myself one day if i never put them out so i just said fuck it i'll put them out there and um didn't really expect much to happen because again like even if they are good which i thought they were pretty good to start but there's so much great metal that goes nowhere so it's really easy to just not be successful these days or get overlooked so i had zero expectations going into black braid I was almost expecting it to fail to be honest just because of how much metal's out there <laughs> and uh it was more yeah it was more a thing i was doing for myself and i've really had to step back and reevaluate kind of everything in the last couple months because it's like an actual entity now and it's uh yeah it's been crazy <laughs> Well, I think what you've done, which is why you're getting the attention you are, is because it's not just the music. It's the full package with you, and it's right there from the get-go, the visuals, the whole presentation of it. And I think so many bands don't take into account that fact. You know, some people are purists in their mind, and they go, well, I just make music, and that's what I do. But to be an artist, and certainly a successful one, you need that overall, I hate to say the word, but brand, that package. You go, boom, this is what this is. And you can do that and still be authentic and still be true and still have credibility. Um, and obviously, you know, the fact that you're so up with your visuals and 
I've been checking out your photography page today as somebody who's just myself starting to get into photography in a more serious way. And it's beautiful, man. Your nature photography is incredible. And I love the shots from all over Iceland, the place I've been and spent a lot of time, an amazing place. You must have got a lot of inspiration from that, you know, both musically and visually. But yeah, I think the full package is there, man. And it's I, I have to celebrate and commend you for that is, is that absolute three dimensional 360 degree. Here is the thing. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that definitely helps. Um, and a lot of that is my wife. I have to give her most of the credit because like I write the music and um you know the vision is mine, but she really she puts most of it together for me. Um like makes it a a cohesive thing that I can show people, you know. She runs my web store and the website, she does all my design. Um a formidable couple then man love it yeah i'm she, you know she's helping me with these she's running all these orders like we got a ton of pre-orders we're doing now so she does pretty much everything behind the scenes and she's also great at photography and um videography and stuff so between the two of us we really don't yeah it is we definitely have a major advantage i can't lie <laughs> um like I think that's definitely a huge part of it is just how active we've been. And, uh, you know, I make an effort to keep, keep pushing Blackbird stuff every week, even I don't, I don't have to lose the momentum, you know, um, whether it be new photos or video or anything really. Um, but yeah, I think it all comes back to kind of being like a multidimensional thing. Like even, like you said, with the nature photography, like, um, so much of that is so ingrained in Blackbird and the nature. And like, I, I um, cherry pick my own photos for Blackbird, like my wildlife photography photos and stuff. Sometimes when I don't have anything to post, I'll just throw one of those up there with some lyrics um, and they'll do equally well, you know, because it's uh, it's really all just kind of based in nature in myself when it comes back to it. Um, so it's been pretty easy to kind of to kind of drive it, I guess, because it, it feels so organic to begin with. That's great too. You guys are total DIY and that's the way to do it. You're not relying on, you know, a record label. You're you're doing your own orders. You guys are doing everything in house. It's that's commendable. It's very punk rock too. I love that. Um and I love that you give credit to your to your wife. Um when how did when did you guys meet? Like what's the story behind that powerful meeting? Cuz clearly you guys are a power couple here. That's that's pretty amazing. Man, I want to say I think it's been 6 or 7 years. Um since I met her and we got married, what, three years ago in 2019. Yeah. Three years. Um, so we met, yeah. In our late twenties, mid twenties in, in Albany, actually, we were both living in Albany cause we both went to undergrad there. Um, and, uh, I met her at like a metal show or something. I met her at Fusebox. You ever been to that place? Yeah. It was I've like goth night there. or something. Yeah. I've yeah. I've DJed the um, goth night and my lady's dance there. Uh, she's pole dance there on, on goth night. Yes, I know very well. Fusebox yeah. and tragedy, the guy who owns it. It's a great place. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we met at Fusebox on one of those little goth nights. And uh, yeah, we met like an old fashioned couple. We met at the bar, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, we hit it off from then. I, I've pretty much been seeing her since then. Like we clicked pretty instantly. And uh, yeah. It was uh, it, 
pretty much like a fairy tale from there, I guess. Like we, you know, we've been inseparable since. So now we're married. But That's yeah, I, I met her in Albany. Yeah, maybe six, seven years ago. There's going to be a documentary about this story one day. I can already see it. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's amazing. And she does cosplay and stuff, right? So she's super in in that kind of like creative visual costume design, all of that stuff, which again, obviously, you know, sits perfectly with what you're doing. It's kind of a fairy tale, man. Yeah. And I mean, the bigger part of that for her too is the behind the scenes thing as well, which a lot of people don't realize, but for she does, she works with a lot of other influencers and creators too. And she like will build their web stores and their websites and run, she's like a web admin on the side and she does all that stuff. Like, just like she did for me. Um, so she's got her hands in, in a lot of stuff. She's, she definitely knows how to do it all. It's pretty crazy. Love it. Man, I got to tell you, this has been a total pleasure. I am excited for you. I look forward for the future for you. I really wish I could go to that Vitus show. I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a blast. There. I mean, LA too, but Vitus is like, I, I used to go there yeah. like at least once a week when I lived in the city. It's it's the perfect place for Black Braid to show New York City what you're all about. Um, yeah, I'm going to continue to to keep my finger on the pulse of what you're doing and, and continue to be a fan and Maybe one day we'll, we'll hang when I get up to the Adirondacks, but it's been a total pleasure. Thanks for taking your time, man. And uh, I know that everybody here watching and listening will be paying attention to what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, I'm so pumped. That Vita show actually sold out already. It's been sold yeah. out in a few weeks, which yeah. is nuts. It's like great. over a month away and it's already gone. But but yeah, I'm really pumped. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you guys anytime. This is awesome. So. Yeah, we'll definitely keep people uh, posting on what you're doing. And, you know, we have our, our Patreon and we have our um, Discord. And I'm actually going to go. I'm actually going on the Stoke the Fire Discord and recommending music to people. So I'm going to I'll do a post today about uh, about you and, and let people know you're up and coming on an episode. So we'll keep the uh, the promo train running for you on this end as well. Sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. Great to meet you, dude. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck with the L.A. and, and the New York shows. And yeah. Look forward to hearing some more music for you when the world is ready. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Right, John, take care, brother. Thanks, you man. Too, dude.